Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 11 through 16. Be found on page 1009 of your pew Bibles. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as these scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp and bear the reproach. Excuse me. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the blood, the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do any good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The word of God for the people of God. So back in um, the world of antiquity, um, cities, villages, camps, they were security. They were where you wanted to be for safety, for security. You know, for us, we kind of think of uh, the, the joy of getting out for a camping trip, getting away from um, um, towns. But cities like Jerusalem, they were walled for protection and for safety. Um, the camp that the Israelites were in um, was a place where they could be kept away from the things out there in the dark world where there was no, um, um, no one keeping people safe. So at the time of the wandering in the wilderness when there was the camp, the idea of going outside the camp was um, in some ways, it was where unclean went, right? If someone had leprosy, they were unclean. We didn't want that to spread within the camp, so they would be sent outside the camp. There's a sense of which there was punishment, and those who were guilty would be sent outside. You remember the story where um, um, Moses's sister, Miriam, um, kind of insulted and questioned him, and part of her punishment was to be sent outside the camp for a while. There was this exile and for an extended period, exile would be almost a death sentence because in the wilderness, um, there, were, there were the beasts, there were um, lawless people. And so uh, the idea of going outside the camp was uh, shameful. It's where the unclean and the guilty and there was danger. And, and so there's a sense in which um, he's, he's dealing with this idea of going outside and where there's uh, lack of security, where there's shame, in, in a context where they understood that. And it was also in the context where they understood 
the reproach of following Jesus. Part of that reproach is what had happened to him. Now, we think nothing of crosses. We have crosses all over here decorating. They, they, they show us our, uh, our faith. Um, we, we have a good feeling about a cross. We probably have um, several people with jewelry that is a cross. Many of you have crosses in your home because um, for us it stands for the faith. It stands for Christianity. And yet at the time of Jesus, it was humiliation. It was suffering. It was the, the most reprehensible idea, I mean, the form of execution that could be imagined. And so there was shame about the cross. And the idea of worshiping one who had suffered and died outside of Jerusalem in Gehenna, which this just rubbish heap on a cross was shameful. And um, matter of fact, some of the earliest... Um, references to Christianity outside of the Bible. There's this piece of graffiti um, drawn by a Roman. It's um, a, a body on the cross. The head is replaced with a donkey. And it says, Alexandros worships his God. It shows somebody bowing before this crucified figure. Because the idea of worshiping one who suffered on a cross, who was humiliated on a cross, who suffered outside of the gates was just ridiculous. And so this is part of what the writer of Hebrews is saying, is in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the, the old system, there was respectability, right? There, there was something about this is an old faith, this is something that's been here a while, this is part of the culture, it's part of the community, there's some respect given to this, and you're tempted to go back to that and stop following the crucified Savior. You're, you're tempted to turn away from what we're worshiping and going back. And so the whole book has been saying, keep faith with Jesus. He's better than everything that you've seen before. He's, he's better than everything that was pointing to him. He's the fulfillment of everything, and therefore he's better. He is the substance, not the shadow. And so here is the reminder that not only is he the fulfillment of all these great covenant promises, but he's the fulfillment even of a promise of one who is going to be sacrificed outside of the camp. This is what he's referring to. Certain sacrifices um, were made outside of the camp. This is what he wants us to see. So the Israelites would have this camp, and in the middle of it was the tabernacle, the, the meeting place with God, God himself to dwell with the ark covenant and different layers of courts and an altar. And often sacrifices there were given and they were to be shared and, and eaten, but there were certain sacrifices for sin, certain sacrifices for atonement that were to be though slaughtered at the temple, to be taken outside of the camp and be burned up holy, um, completely, totally. Our, our word for holocaust is the word of a total complete sacrifice. This was the sacrifice that was made. And there was a series of these sacrifices, but probably the most prominent one, the most, uh, the one he's referring to for us to think of was the annual sacrifice for the sins of the people on the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, there was a sacrifice that was to be burnt outside of the camp 
that was to purify and cover all the sins of the people. And this was to be made. And, and so what he's saying is, um, we see Jesus suffering. We see him taking the shame. We see Jesus taking this punishment, and he's doing so outside the walls of Jerusalem. But even there, he's fulfilling, fulfilling the role of the sacrifice of atonement, the total offering that makes atonement and covers up our sin. He's outside the camp. But there's something else that we're supposed to catch from this. You might remember the story of um, the people in the wilderness um, going to Sinai and outside of Sinai where God gives the Ten Commandments. Um, as, God, as Moses is up on the, um, um, the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, the people rebel against God. They reject him and they get Aaron to make a, a, a golden calf and they start worshiping this golden calf. And they bow before, and they're, they're doing this, and they're saying, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. And God is saying, you've rejected me. You've turned away from me. And all this is going on inside of the camp. And Moses comes back, and he breaks um, the, the tablets of the commandments, and um, he's, he's um, pleading with God to stay with them. And so the idea of God's presence being with people um, is going to be shown, but it's shown in, in, in a new way. This is the chapter after that, after they've um, um, made the golden calf, chapter 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting, and everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. You see what's going on there is this cloud of God's presence, his glory that is in this cloud doesn't descend into the camp, that there's a tent that Moses sets up outside of the camp, and there God's glory descends. His very presence is outside the camp. And Moses meets with him face to face. You might remember stories of Moses's face shining as he's been in the presence of God's glory. And then Moses, after meeting with God in this tent, would return. And we're given this detail um, that I've never noticed before until studying Hebrews, because if, if there was a Hebrew the, 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 those who would have received the letter to the Hebrews, they would have read this in Greek. And when they read it, they would have heard that Jesus stayed in the tent outside the camp. Joshua is the name Jesus. Joshua is the one that um, in, in Greek we get, comes to us as named Jesus. So they're saying that Yeshua stays in this tent of glory of God's presence outside the camp. And so the writer of Hebrews is reminding us who are tempted to stay with the security of the world to, to stay with the security of all those around us and the things the world around us invests in and is interested in and says, don't you see, 
you follow Jesus, stay with him, continue and persist in the faith. As they wandered in the wilderness, they entered the promised land. Remember, it's not only all of these things pointing to the fulfillment of Jesus, but don't be afraid to to leave this world. Don't be afraid to leave others who are going to say, what are you doing following Christ? What What are you doing humbling yourself? What are you doing live in a way that's different from the rest of the world? Don't be afraid to go with them because Jesus went outside the camp. He went outside of Jerusalem and was crucified. He was the, 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 the offering of atonement that was outside the camp. And more than that, that is where God's presence is to be found. It's not in the things of this world. God's presence is in this tent that's outside of the camp with Jesus. There is, that is where we will meet him. And so if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to follow him by making a decision to turn away from the camp and go outside. It's um, a powerful image if we're seeing all this of what it is. And what he's saying is to follow Jesus demands a decision. To follow Jesus demands commitment. For us, we're looking at this, and he's saying that how... Their temptation was to stay in the security of doing what everybody else is doing, to stay in the security of of, uh, a faith that people are going to approve of, to stay in the security of going along with what the world says is the right way to do things. And that's always the temptation of those who follow Christ, because the call to follow Christ is the call to take up your cross and to go after him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died um, as a martyr in a Nazi camp, said, when when Christ um, bids a man follow him, he bids him come and die. To follow Jesus is to turn away from all the things that say, this is where security is, this is where entertainment is, this is where joy is. And to trust in him means I'm going to trust him by saying no to things. I'm going to repent and I'm going to pursue him for my true joy, my true happiness, my true security. And, and so that is what we're called to do. It suddenly occurs to me, y'all can Google that and see if I'm wrong. So Google that later and tell me if I got the, the attribution of who said that quote right or not. Anyway, our temptation, as Christians in America, is to take on the name of Christ and live in the camp. Our temptation is to claim to follow Jesus and look like everybody else around us. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be seen as weird. We don't want to, I mean, the idea of, of being radical, of being different. We want all the joys this world has to offer. We want all the ease and all the pleasure. We want all these things and still call ourselves Christian. The writer of Hebrews reminds us to truly be a Christian is to turn away from these things and put Christ first. It's to say my my hope is not in the things of this world. My trust is not in my 401k. My, my, My ultimate idea of happiness isn't in how many channels I have from streaming services. My, my, my ultimate hope isn't in having the most pleasure and most experience. My ultimate hope is going outside the camp, turning away from these things and following Jesus. And so to go outside the camp 
is to do these things. And he's, he's pointing us back to what he said earlier in this chapter, is that we are called to worship him, and much like Paul says in Romans 12, that we offer our lives as living sacrifices, offer our, offer our bodies as living sacrifice, this is what we do. Um, we go outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured, for here we have no lasting city, we seek the city that is to come. Through him... Let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his names and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Remember, you now in Christ are a royal priesthood. You have a task of worshiping and offering sacrifices of praise and obedience to him. We don't offer sacrifices to make an atonement for sin. That sin was paid for once and for all on the cross. But there's sacrifices of praise that are continue to be offered that as we give thanks to the, the, what we have in Jesus, our lives now are given as sacrifice. So part of that is we no longer look at the world as this city. We're now looking for the city that is to come. We're now not, no longer looking for this world to satisfy the things that the world to come is going to satisfy that our allegiance is now with the kingdom of heaven, not with where we are now. Not that we don't enjoy the things of this world that God has given us. Not that we don't seek the best for the community into which God places us. Not that we don't love our neighbors and enjoy things, but our ultimate allegiance, our ultimate good, our ultimate hope is not found in the things around us. And so we no longer look to this city. We're looking for the city that is to come. And we do so continually offering a sacrifice of praise. We worship. We gather together and we sing and we pray. This is part of your work as priests, that you are lifting up the needs of the community around us. You are singing God's praise, that your, your singing to him is part of your um, sacrifice. So we're called to worship. We're called to gather on the Lord's day and praise his name and say, this city, this world around us, the camp is not where my hope is. We gather together to remind ourselves that our ultimate hope is in Christ, that he is a priority in our life, and we're going to lift his name and exalt him, that we're going to um, do good. Um, I love this. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. That we look around the needs, and because we have received, now we turn and we, we help others. We do good for those around us. We are generous, that we share what we have, that we give of ourselves to others because we're not clinging on to it as though our hope is having as much as we possibly can here, right? We're, we're not clinging to stuff. We can give to the church. We can give to the missions. We can give to neighbors in need because we are going to do good, and share what we have with others. And so it's the, the simple things that we've been reminding ourselves over and over that we, we gather for worship and then we go out through the week giving our lives as sacrifices, doing good and, and um, serving others. This is a good test for whether or not we're in the camp or if we have gone outside the camp. This is a good test to say, am I truly following Jesus or Am I following the world and want the name of Christian? 
I, I, I think sometimes the way we judge whether or not we're really a Christian is how emotional we get at certain hymns, right? If my feelings are stood up, I must really love Jesus. Um, you know, man, amazing grace on the bagpipes gets me right here. You know, I must really love Jesus. But loving Jesus means going outside the camp. Loving Jesus means I'm going to make him top priority in my life. That means I'm going to worship him. I'm going to sing praises to him. I'm not just here to get some information and knowledge. I'm not just here to kind of go through motions, but I'm here to myself, remind him of his glory, to exalt his name, to sing these songs and to praise and to show to the world around me that he and not my hobbies and not my entertainment and not pleasure is the greatest thing in my life. And then I'm going to live in a way that serves others, that looks for the needs of others because I'm trusting in him to provide for me. I'm trusting him to care for me. And so am I taking time to do good for others? Am I thinking of brothers and sisters in the church and putting their needs before me? Am I, am I looking at neighbors and, and ways I can serve them? Or is, is my only thought of what I want and what I need? And how can things care for me? Because we do not neglect to do good. We, we serve others. To follow Jesus means to serve others, to put others before ourselves. And that we're generous. We're sharing what we have. We share of our talents. We share of our financial resources. We share of our time. We give of ourselves because we're not clinging to the things. And so just as teachers used to say, grade your own paper, right? Look at your life. Are you doing this? Let me just add one thing. There's not an or in here. You don't say, I'm worshiping and I'm coming to worship, therefore I don't have to do good deeds. And you don't say, I'm, I'm doing good deeds, therefore I don't have to be generous with what I have. All of us has to be committed. I have to commit my priorities of my heart to worship him. I have to commit my, my deeds and my time to serving others. I have to commit my resources to giving that, that we're not kind of picking and choosing. All of this is a reflection of our heart. Because for some of us, giving time is easy. Giving money is something we don't want to do. For others, singing praises is something we love to do. We take joy in it. But serving others, no thank you. In other words, there's going to be something in here that's more difficult for any of us. And that is the point we need to say, I have to bend the knee here. And so the call is, we do this. We serve. We love. We, we praise him. We do this. And we do it all regardless of the world thinks of us. We do it all because it takes a reproach. To follow Jesus the way he calls is going to raise some eyebrows among our neighbors and friends. To, call Jesus, uh, to follow Jesus and the way he calls us is going to mean we're going to be accused by people on different sides of the political aisle of different things, that we're going to take shots from somebody. If we're truly following him, we are going to stand out and people are going to Give us a reproach. I know that's not a word we use a lot. But there's a reproach to following Jesus. To saying, I'm not going to live like you because I'm going to live like him. I'm not going to be part of the camp. I'm not going to follow with the ways of the city. I'm going to go outside the gates. I'm going outside the walls where Jesus is. And that is our motivation. That's our reminder of why we do these things. 
because he went outside to us who are unclean and to those who are guilty and who have been cast out and those who don't deserve to be in his presence. He came out to find us and in doing so, he takes our shame and he takes our guilt and he takes our approach and he endures the suffering that we deserve. And he purifies us and he cleanses us and he brings us and he makes us part of the city that is to come. And that is where his presence is. We are invited not just to reject, but we're invited to come where his presence dwells and to know him face to face in Jesus Christ and to receive mercy and forgiveness and acceptance into his kingdom come. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe.